Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. If you are a mom um, of any sort, right, spiritual mom, biological mom, adoptive mom, we just want to celebrate you. We want to honor you in this place today and just say we wouldn't be here because of, um, without you. So thank you. Thank you for all of your sacrifice and all the things that you do to love us well. And as we do that, we're just going to celebrate. We're going to thank God for who he is. Will you stand with us as we worship this morning?
encouraging, uplifting for us to sing and celebrate together. And that's why we do this, right? We come together as the church to lift up the name of Jesus and be reminded of who he is and who we are in light of that. So I hope you guys just have an awesome morning and just really feel that and feel the presence of the Lord this morning and can really connect with him this morning. And I'm gonna invite you guys to have a seat and I'm gonna invite Matt to come and share some announcements. Good morning. It's a joy to be worshiping with all of you. Uh, if you happen to be visiting with us, thanks for joining. We're glad to have you, and I hope I get a chance to meet you soon. Uh, we all look forward to getting to know you. Uh, if you are visiting and you have questions or you want to get to know more about the church, uh, we have something called a digital connect card. Uh, there's a QR code on the back of the seat in front of you, or if you're joining us online, there's a link right in the post for the video. Uh, if you fill that out, we're not going to put you on a list, but we'll just reach out to you one time, and you can take that conversation as far as you want to go. Uh, so you can use that if you have a particular question, if you're wondering how to get involved, or even if you just want to ask us for prayer. Uh, but we'd love to get to know you a little bit more if you want to fill out that digital connect card. I also wanted to tell you about a couple different things going on uh, coming up soon. This Friday night, right here at the church, we're having a membership class. If you've never done that and you want to explore that, if you want to consider that and know what it means to become a member, uh, we're going to be having that from 6 to 9 p.m. this Friday night. Dinner is included, uh, so we'd need you to sign up. You can sign up right out in the counter, out in the foyer. Uh, and when you come, you're not committing to becoming a member, but you're learning what it means and exploring that possibility and thinking about it. Uh, the next Friday, on May 20th, we're having Kids Night here from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, what that is is birth through grade 5. We're going to have activities and games. We actually already have youth group on Friday nights, too, so all the teenagers will already be here. And parents, that means all the kids are here, so you have an opportunity to go out on a date. Um, so this is a week from this Friday on May 20th, 6 to 8 p.m., we would like you to sign up for that, though, so we know what to plan for. If you're part of our kids' ministry already, you should have an email with a link you can sign up for that. If you didn't get that or you don't see that in your inbox, uh, you can use, uh, there's a sign-up right out on the counter in the foyer as well for that. Uh, lastly, I want to let you know that we are going to be back in the Memorial Day Parade for the town again this year for Tech Mania. We have a float that uh, to promote that, to just get to know people and be out there. Uh, and if you want to be part of helping set that up, if you are handy or crafty, on Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, that's May 28th, I believe, some of us will be here at 9 a.m. if you want to help put that together. And even if you can't, on Monday, uh, kids, youth, and their families, if you want to ride on it or walk with it in the parade, you can meet us here at 9.30 and join in along with that. We'd love to have you be a part of that. As we continue worshiping now, we're going to do that through giving, um, which is just another way that we get to be part of what God's doing. We get to use our head, our heart, our hands, even our resources as being part of God's mission and being active in his plans for our community and for this world around us. Uh, so if you're visiting with us, no pressure, no obligation to give, but for our regular attenders, there are multiple different ways. You could use our app, you can use our website, there's some touch-free box in the back, and we want to just pray as we get ready to receive this offering. God, we thank you for all that you provide for us. God, we know there are times where that feels abundant, and there are times where that feels like we're scraping by, and, and those things are very real. But Lord, we know that you do look at us wanting to provide for us and caring about us deeply. God, we thank you for the ways that you love us, the ways you look after us. Ah, we ask that you would take whatever we give today and that you would multiply that, that you would use that and you would direct that in the ways that you want it to bless other people. Lord, beyond the plans that we have and beyond what we could even imagine for it, let it be even more impactful that we can think of. God, we thank you for the generosity of your people and for the ways that you work through that and the privilege we have of working together with you in your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to invite you guys to just stand with us as we continue to worship through music. Our hope during this time is that these words that we're kind of singing corporately and repeating together can serve just as a reminder to you of who God is and how he sees you and his plan for your life. And sometimes the words might come with a little bit of a challenge like, Lord, the song we're about to sing is about surrendering control to the Lord and trusting that he has a plan that sometimes we may not see, but that we can remember that he's a good father. We can remember that his plans are for the good of those who are called according to his purpose and that we really can trust him. Even if it's with kicking and screaming on the inside, we can trust him because he's good. We can trust him because he is faithful and we can trust him because he does what he says he's gonna do. So as we sing this song, I just wanna invite you to just allow your heart to connect with the words and just take this moment to just be here with the Lord. You call me your child. Come on, church, just sing these words. 
Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord, that as our hearts are responding in this moment, whether it's with questions, maybe fears, maybe worries, I pray that we would just show up in that honest moment. Even if it's, God, I don't want to give you control because that's scary. You can trust our honest hearts. We can be completely raw with our Father. You would rather us be honest about our struggle than pretend and not get to the root of maybe why we're afraid. And help us, Lord, to remember that you are so good and that as we confess these things before you, that you invite us to lift our eyes higher because you are our help and you promise that you're not going to leave us or forsake us or leave us to our own devices. Just sing these words. And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so Do I lay my head? 
songs, these praise, this declaration of your goodness and faithfulness, I pray that it slices right through the discouragement, the heaviness, the weight that anybody might be carrying today. Right through those lies that say that you don't see, that you can't see, uh, that you don't care. God, I pray that just your goodness will settle upon everyone in this room, much like just a, a, a warm I don't know, blanket? That's what I'm seeing. God just coming and resting upon everybody, uh, assuring them 
that you see them, that you know them, that you called your name, called their name, and you love them. And if I, I would invite you just to have a seat for a moment, everybody. Um, because I, I, first off, just to say a huge happy Mother's Day um, to all the moms in here. That's right. And, and one thing uh, that, you know, here at the end of service, uh, we have some roses in the back that if you would like to grab one and hand it to your mama, um, or grab, grab one uh, if you are a mama uh, on the way out, and that's a, we would love to just let that be a token of our uh, appreciation and love for you. But one of the things that we want to do um, before we just jump right into the, the sermon here is um, have just a moment of prayer and blessing over our moms in this room. And so if you are sitting near a mom um, and you feel so comfortable and they feel comfortable with this, can you just lay a hand on their shoulder? It doesn't have to be your mom, it's just a mom. Um, lay a hand on her shoulder. Because I, I just want to pray a, a prayer of blessing over them. But also, as a church, we're very aware that uh, sometimes Mother's Day can be hard for some. And for a variety of different reasons. And so I want to pray over those two, who this might feel like a heavy day for you. Um, but together, as I pray, I invite you to pray too. Um, pray with me out loud if you feel comfortable doing just over that mom. But let me, let me just lead us in just a blessing over these amazing women. Lord, I pray right now that you shower these moms with your love. God, sometimes it can feel, life can just feel discouraging. It can feel like they're not seen or not appreciated or maybe they want a closer relationship with their kids and what they have or maybe their kids are far away. Lord, I pray that you'd be so near and present, that you would shower your love on each of these moms today. Affirm to them that you see them, that you're proud of them, that you take pleasure in the ways that they consistently give of themselves for uh, their kids and for their family like you, Jesus, gave yourself for us. Lord, I pray too, though, for those in this room who have maybe lost their mom in the last year, two or three, who are especially feeling the weight of this day, you are just feeling sad. Lord, I pray that you let them know that's okay to grieve that you love them and you see them, and may you come alongside of them. Lord, I pray for those who have who had really challenging uh, experiences with their moms growing up, that again, this day just brings up some, some hard things. And, but Lord, like Psalm 27 says, that even if our mother or our father forsakes us, you, God, never will. And so I pray that, that, that you would be so near to them as well in this. For all those moms, God, in here who, uh, who have been pouring into the next generation but have never been able to have biological children of their own, Lord, I pray that you show them just how proud you are of them for the ways that they continue to pass on the faith to the next generation. Lord, for all the different situations going on in here, I just thank you so much that we have women in our lives who are dedicated to passing on the love and the faith of Jesus to us. And that you're raising up another generation of women, even now, who will pass on the faith to the next. 
that I think about Timothy, who, who had his, his grandmother Lois and his mom Eunice, you know, that they're the ones who passed on the faith to him and, and how Timothy was then used by you to spread that faith across Ephesus and the and, and Mediterranean world. And Lord, I can't even imagine the ways you're going to use the women in this room. With, I, whether they have biological children or not, God, just to, to, to spread your glory to the next generations. So we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the gift of every mom here, every mom yet to be. And I pray that today will feel like a celebration of your love for them. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Moms, we love you guys. So, so thankful for you. Um, so thankful for you. What a picture you are of Jesus to so many of us. So, um, as we jump on in, now we're going to keep on going uh, with, uh, with our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, those who have been here the last two weeks, I, like, I want a little crowd feedback here. Like, what's your feeling on Ecclesiastes so far? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pastor who just said that. Just so you like, that's, where that's, that's our standard right now, I guess. I mean, Ecclesiastes is a very different kind of book. And at time, I've had people come up to me this last week and say, like, are you going to give another depressing sermon? I'm like, what? Like, no, 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 no. Like, like if, if you're only hearing that part, like, I, I, you're missing the end. You're missing the best part um, of each of these. Because I, I want us to see the beauty of God's Word. You know, and this is one of those books that... Um, if, as, we, as we lean into it, I think we're going to discover a real lasting joy that, that doesn't evade us, right? Um, and today is no different. Um, but first, have you ever been on a ride of some sort, any kind, and, and couldn't wait to get off it? Some of you. Have you ever, maybe, maybe you've been in a car, a boat, a plane, something else, and you just felt completely out of control? Yeah, like, like that's the kind of thing you never forget. <laughs> you never forget. I remember on my sixth birthday, my parents took my sister and me to Disney World. And Magic, we went to Magic Kingdom, we, we rode the rides, we, we did the things, it lived up to all the hype. And then at the very end of the day, my dad said, Kirk, I want to take you uh, to ride this ride called Space Mountain with me. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah, if you don't, it's, it's an indoor roller coaster designed to give you the experience of riding through outer space. But the only trick is, like, it, it, it's a roller coaster with all the dips and drops and turns like all the others, but it's a completely dark ride. So you can't see when any of the dips and the turns are coming. And as a six-year-old kid, I was barely tall enough to ride it. I didn't like roller coasters much at this point in my life. And two, when they turned off the lights, I mean, I was terrified. I remember getting off that ride and kissing the sweet ground after what felt like an eternity. Well, 30 years later, 30 years later, March 2020, um, Shelby's parents graciously want to take our family to Disney World again. I hadn't been in 30 years. This is the first time 30 years. And this was like a week before COVID hit. And we went to Disney World first day, went to Magic Kingdom, rode the rides, did the stuff, met the princesses, lived up to all the hype. And at the end of the day, Shelby said, Kirk, I want to go ride Space Mountain. And immediately I felt nervous. 
I felt a little nervous. I was like, in my own head, I didn't tell Shelby any of this. In my own head, I was like, Kirk, you are a grown man. <laughs> like, it has been 30 years. Like, just go. Okay. So I went facing my trauma right there in the face, right? Trauma. Um, I went, we sat down, lights went out, and immediately my whole body tensed up. And that ride starts click, 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 clicking to the top. Shelby goes, woo, because she's fun. She's fun. And I was whimpering like a, a six-year-old child. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the ride just goes, you know, drops, yanks right, yanks left, up, down, sideways. And the whole time, like, my body is just like this the entire, when we finally get off the ride, like, every muscle in my body hurts. Because when you're like this the entire time. I hated the feeling of not knowing where I was going and not being able to anticipate what was coming. But as I thought about it, I realized, man, like that's how life is too, right? Like we're all on this ride called time. And whether we like it or not, time keeps moving. The earth keeps spinning on its axis, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. And as time keeps moving, or as the earth spins, time keeps moving, and we are moving on this track of time, and we can't always anticipate what's coming. One day is a joyful day. The next day, boom, and we're all of a sudden fear. One day, we, 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 we're, we, we, a child is born. The next day, the market drops. One day, our best friend moves away, right? Like, like we can't always anticipate what's coming. And my question is, how does that make you feel? Out of control, anxious, angry, or is it possible that on this ride of time in this world that we can actually experience joy? Well, we're going to look today at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And so it's on page 540 is where we're going to be today in the blue Bibles in front of you if you want to turn on with us. But the first two chapters... Ecclesiastes, in his typical blunt fashion, describes that if you're chasing after lasting satisfaction in this world, it's going to consistently be like chasing after the wind or grabbing after smoke. But now in chapter 3, the author is going to give us what are today his most famous words. He puts his poet cap on. And he's going to write words that I guarantee most everyone in here has heard at least some point. But the poem is really a setup for what he is going to say in the rest of the chapter. That after lyrically describing the unpredictable rhythms of life and time, Ecclesiastes wrestles with the reality that we can't control this ride. But then he leads us to a steady truth that if embraced is the foundation of our peace and joy at every twist and turn. So Ecclesiastes 3, let's look there together. And we're going to read the whole thing. And my, my, what I want you to listen for as we read this is what is that steady truth that is the foundation of our joy no matter what comes. Actually, before I read, let's pray. 
Lord, as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, I pray that, 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 that you, certain things will just leap off the page to us that are from you. God, that, that it wouldn't just be random, but that you will, be, you will purposely allow us to see things that you want us to see for our edification, for our growth, for building us up. God, it's tough not always knowing where time is going and not being able to predict the future and all these sorts of things that we wish so badly we could do. But God, show us how to have joy in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to mend. A time to be silent, a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. But what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time, but he has also set eternity in human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. And I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. But whatever is has already been and whatever will be has been forever and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. <laughs> Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from the dust, and to the dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit arises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Now, if you're royally confused, don't worry. Right? We're going to unpack all of this one step at a time. But first... There is a time for everything. How, like that poem there at the beginning. How many of you have heard those words before in some, maybe at a funeral, a time to live, time to die? Or maybe you remember the old song by the birds, turn, 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 right? You guys remember that one? A time to live, a time to die. Okay, is that ringing a bell now? Oh, gosh, n nothing. All right, that song's been stuck in my head all week, so I had to sing it. But like this poem, it's nice. Right? And, and, and no matter where you come from in life, whether you're a Christian or not, like this rings true of the human experience on earth. But my question is what's the point of it? What is he, why does he include these words? 
Because we're going to see that it's really a setup for the rest of the chapter. But what is it that Ecclesiastes does not want us to miss when he says these words? He says that we are confined within this ride of time, but God created us as timeless beings. Let me unpack that here. First, I want you to, if you've got your Bible in front of you, I want you to look closely at those eight verses, those first eight verses in chapter 3. Because in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8, the author brilliantly describes both the cycles and complexity of life. That he first talks about the cycles, how seasons come and seasons go, and then they come again. That these words have this ebb and flow between opposites and extremes to give us this complete picture of all the seasons, all the dips and turns of life. Like, like, like if I spoke to you guys and I referred to you as ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, young and old, you would know that I'm speaking to everyone. And when he talks about there's a time to live and die, plant and uproot, he's speaking to all of life. And we as New Englanders understand that life has its seasons. Like we get, right, that that you got a time right now in the spring to throw down grass seed. In the fall, you're going to rake up leaves. In the winter, you're going to shovel. In the summer, you're going to the beach, right? Like we get that's how life works. But his words also describe how complex life is. That it's not only full of beauty, but also brokenness. That you ever, we all may go to a wedding with people we love and dance. But then a few months later, we may be with those same people mourning the loss of somebody. That we go through seasons, he says, of peace, but also periods of war. That there are times of joy, prosperity, embrace, and love. That the world is as it should be. But like, like Dr. Jekyll turning into Mr. Hyde, then all of a sudden the world becomes a place of death, destruction, cold hate. He even laments at one point. That, that as he's looking out in the world, it's like, it seems like wickedness has taken the place of justice. And what makes it even more complex is that we can't predict when certain seasons are coming or why. Not always. And that's hard. You know, wisdom is learning to discern the times and the seasons. But, But sometimes we have a hard time knowing, like, okay, when am I supposed to search or give up? When am I supposed to tear or mend? Or this is a big one in my house. When am I supposed to speak and be quiet? <laughs> and just when we think we got it all figured out, the ride of time takes another dip, and we're like, Ugh, so much for that. And we're trying to figure it out all over again. But like I said last week, Ecclesiastes isn't just interested in, noting, in observing what life is like, but he's desperately searching for the meaning of it all. What's the real purpose behind it all? Because he knows that when we experience the beauty and love and joy in this world, that that there is awoken within us something that craves something beyond the here and now. 
And as we see like, the, the broken patterns and sin and broken systems in this world, that there's something in us too that goes, I, I want lasting justice. I want things to be right. And Ecclesiastes says, I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to pay attention to that. Because while we might be confined to life here and now on earth, our God has set eternity in our hearts. And this is the tension that Ecclesiastes points out in all of us. That yes, we are held within time and space. But unlike other creatures in this world, we crave what's beyond the here and now. And so he gives us this sleepy, repetitive poem. And then he, he interrupts it with this one phrase like, what gain? What real, lasting, eternal, honest gain is there from all that we're doing in this world? And then he notices within himself. As with every human being, he realizes and he feels that how God has set eternity in our hearts, meaning how we all crave that forever place. We all crave to understand the beginning from the end, the big picture. That, and that makes sense if we know from the very beginning of the Bible, we were made in God's image. That meaning you have infinite value. And you were created to, to be with our God forever, to know him and to be like him. Yet, here we are, held within time, unable to fathom it all in this beautiful yet flawed world marred by sin. You know, if, if there was a wolf puppy... Wolf puppy, we're just talking about wolf puppy now. If there's a wolf puppy who grew up in this house of house dogs, and that puppy stayed in that house, it will eventually really begin to struggle with that instinctual desire for life beyond that house. That over time, that, that desire, that craving becomes a burden within it. And we are beings made for eternity, yet we are held within the here and now. And that, that tension, which some people might call it an existential burden, we all feel that to some degree, don't we? But if we choose to bear that burden without God, we will always be restless. Without God, we may restlessly try to ignore that, that burden within us, that I, we would try to drown it out with noise, busyness, things that make me feel good, but all the while we're consistently uncomfortable in our own skin. Or without God, we may try to restlessly satisfy that burden on our own. As we talked about last week, we try to look outside of ourselves to find some sort of eternal satisfaction from, from, from stuff we know or from pleasure or from possessions or from work. Or since we can't get off this ride of time, we, we are always trying to live in the past. We're always trying to anticipate the future or hold back the inevitable. Or we're always saying, why can't I just get more hours in today? Because without God, that eternity within us becomes a restless burden. Okay, so what are you saying now, Kirk? That I just need to get a little more God in my life and all my anxiety will go away? Kinda, 
but not fully. Because let's be honest, even the most devout of people still get restless on this ride of life. In his letter to the church in Philippi, the Apostle Paul said, he said, I, I, I'm wrestling with this tension of wanting to remain here on earth to serve Jesus and wanting to be with Jesus. But there's a difference between restlessly carrying this eternal burden on our own and carrying it with an eternal hope. And what is that hope? What is the the solid, steady hope that Ecclesiastes gives us in the midst of this ride of life? As he says this, and please lean in here, all that happens within time will answer to the God outside of time, and this is great news. Now, while we may be held within time and space, God is not. The author of Psalm 31, when he was overwhelmed by his own restlessness, he finds hope, realizing, he says, my time is in God's hands. That unlike us, our God sits outside of time. He is not limited by it. Before the sun and the moon and the earth started rotating on its axis, there was God. And he is the one who's called the Alpha, the first. Or the Omega, meaning the last. The one who is and was and is to come. And Ecclesiastes sees this and it gives him confidence to know that everything God does will endure Forever, he says. That while we are held within time and seasons that come and go, not always in our control, we have a heavenly Father who is outside of time, who is in complete control. And even if we don't understand the present season we're in, he sees the big picture. You know, speaking of Mother's Day, since it's Mother's Day, as a kid, my mom would tell me, Kirk, go practice piano. I was like, so boring. So boring. It's like 30 minutes. I was like, like I'm wasting my time just dinking around on this instrument. But what did my mom see? All I could see was the moment. My mom saw that if, if I stuck with this, that over my life, I would have the ability to enjoy playing music. And she was exactly right. And while we can only see the present season, our father sees the big picture. But Ecclesiastes says, oh, there's more. Because all that happens within time will give an account to the God who is outside of time. That after all seasons and times of life on earth, there is coming another time. He says, when both those who are right with God and those who have rebelled against him, that they will stand before him to give an account. And Ecclesiastes says, that's actually great news. And some of you are like, what? Like, that, that sounds terrifying. I don't know if that, that sounds like good news at all. At least that, well, that was my first impression. But remember, Ecclesiastes' struggle is like, where can we find real meaning in our life today? Well, get this. If we know that all that happens today and all that happens within time will one day answer to our God, it means that all we do today does matter. And it has real weight to it. It also means that the sin and the broken patterns and the injustice around us, the war, the hate, the weeping, that it's not forever. And we experience seasons coming and going, but the ride of time is going someplace. 
to a day when our God makes all things right. That our Father has placed eternity in our hearts. But he has done so so that we will know our need for him. And he says, based on what I can see, he says it seems that human beings and all these other creatures on earth, there's no difference between them, right? Like we live, like humans can do a few extra things, but at the end of time, they all go to the dust. Like what's the real difference? But unlike all the other animals, human beings long for that which transcends this world. So we are different because God has given us an eternal ache. I'm sorry, an internal ache for eternity. And that's actually his mercy. Because there's one thing that Ecclesiastes couldn't see yet that we can. That with that eternal ache, when we couldn't find our way to God, he made his way to us. And this reality, this is the very reality that shapes who we are as a church community. This is the central, amazing fact of God that out of infinite love, the God outside, outside time entered time for us. Get this. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, that before time even began, there was the Word, and the Word was the one who was with God. He was, and He is, and He is to come. Yet, that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you get nothing else today, if you, if you zoned out for a second, please come back in on this part, because the same just God with time in His hands limited Himself into a time zone to rescue us as His own forever. Like, that eternal ache within you, God put, us, put that there. But then the eternal God came to show us who he is and to save us from the condemnation for our sin that we deserve. Jesus died in our place, meaning the God over history paid the penalty for our sins so that all who believe in him can be forgiven. And when he rose from that grave... He's proved that time and space do not have a hold on him and neither does sin or death so that all who trust in him might become children of eternity with him. That the same just God with time in his hands limited himself into a time zone to rescue us as his own forever. And I think this next question, though, is the big one that I've been asking and wrestling with through this whole thing. Is, okay, given that that's true, or maybe some of you are not even sure if you believe yet if that's true, but if it is, how does that change everything for us here and now on this ride of time in this world? As we know and remember what our, what our God did, who he is and his promises, we can find joy in today. Chapter three of um, this book, Living Life Backward, 
I've, I've talked about it the couple, last couple of weeks. This guy named David Gibson wrote this Living Life Backward book on Ecclesiastes. And he says that even though we exist in time and cannot see the end from the beginning, he says we have nothing to fear if we know the character of our Heavenly Father who does see the big picture. Because, man, we can all easily slip into worrying about tomorrow. And Jesus understood that. And he even says, hold up. He says, if your father in heaven notices and sees the needs of the birds around you, how much more must he care about you? You're the one with eternity placed in your heart. You're the one of infinite worth. And he says, but worry. Can worry really add time? Can it really take away time? Can it really change time? Can it get, can it get you off this ride? But instead, you are infinitely loved by the God who holds time in his hands. And even though we can't see the future, we can enjoy today because we know who does. And so as those on this track of time, ride of life, we can't always see what dips and turns are coming Ecclesiastes, how, do you, how are we supposed to live? He says, well, if you know who your father is, there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the what? Is it up there yet? No. Verse 13. I want you to see this. You got to see this. This is the what? Gift. Say that again. Gift. One more time. Gift. Only a few of you believe this. One more time. Gift. gift of God. The gift of God. In other words, Ecclesiastes is saying, in this ride of time, I want your lives to look a little less like Kirk on Space Mountain, and I want it to look a little bit more like Shelby. Woo! Right? <laughs> we take each moment with childlike trust and joy. But if you're like me, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. So what, what is a step we can take toward joy in the midst of this life? Well, first, we can learn to accept our limitations as a gift from God. I was talking with Pastor David yesterday, and, and he asked me the question. He said, if, if we all really knew the future, would that really make us happy? No. No. If you knew tomorrow was going to be amazing, you would just wish away today. If you knew tomorrow was going to be horrible, you would just have anxiety all through today. Instead, we can't look to trying to predict the future for our comfort. It says, instead, God limits us in time so that we'll know to go to Him for our peace. That our human limitations remind us to keep coming back to the Father. And if we accept our limitations second, then we learn to be present. This past week, for me, was one of the busiest weeks I've had in a long time. Ironically, like, I, ha I got up at 4.30 one morning to try to write this sermon. Some of you are like, I can tell. <laughs> but, all right, all right. I was, I was a low blow to myself. But... But, like, it's so funny how, like, getting up that early, I couldn't even sleep the night before. 
I kept waking up because I was anxious about all that I had to do the next day. And then as I was writing this sermon, God was like, Kirk, this sermon's for you. This is for you. Because if this is your focus, man, realize, like, you got to relax, my brother. And pay attention to the gifts that I've placed right in front of you. And as I did, like, guys, because this was what God had me looking at this week, I was able to stop and sit in several conversations with people. They were just gifts to me. And last night, I had the opportunity to take my two girls to a daddy-daughter dance at their school. And because this was what I was doing, I'm like, God, I'm just going to look in their eyes. I'm going to be present with them. I'm going to, like, forget what anybody thinks. I'm dancing my heart out with them. I'm coming home sweaty from this thing, right? Like, I'm going to enjoy myself because, like, I I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. This is what I have. But if I'm always restless and I do not trust God, I'm going to miss his gifts today. But if I know that the same just God with time in his hands limited himself to a time zone to rescue me, man, that's the kind of father I can trust with my life today and tomorrow. And so as human beings made in God's image, we all ache for eternity. Please don't ignore that. Please don't settle for cheap substitutes for that either. Perhaps these limitations can actually be a gift of God. So instead of of trying to wish away today, to run to the past, how can we be present today? And I want to ask you, like, what from Ecclesiastes, this is you personally, what grabbed your attention? Perhaps that was God pointing something out to you. And what is one step you can take today to being more present with him and with those in front of you so that you can see his gifts. And one of the things that I've started practicing in my own life is that before I go to bed, I have a little tiny journal by my bed and I, wrote, I write like two or three bullet points. And I say, God, where were your gifts today? And I write two or three bullet points real quick, takes literally 30 seconds, just so that I can learn to start recognizing the very things that he's placed in front of me. And it's amazing how that begins to feed our joy. And when we become, step into becoming people of greater and greater joy, like that's the kind of thing that people around us at work, our neighbors, that's what everybody's craving, isn't it? And invites them to ask, hey man, where are you getting this? (laughs) Where are you getting this? So today is all we have. How can we be present in it? Let's stand up, if you can, and pray with me. Our Father in heaven, you are holy, outside of time, glorious in all your ways. Yet it's still amazing to me that you chose to break into time, into our world, and pay the penalty of our sin so that on the day we stand before you, we can be confident that we are covered in your grace and dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And God, if we know 
who it is that holds time and who it is that holds us. I pray, Father, that you show us how to throw our hands up and surrender to you and just go, woo. (laughs) To experience joy and to, to notice your gifts in today and to recognize the opportunities to bring about your goodness around us. So, Lord, continue to grab our attention with your word or even what we're singing. Speak to us, but lead us toward action, to living differently as a result of what we hear. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. We're just going to sing this over you guys, and as we sing it, let's just sing it over each other. Receive it. Ah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for loving us unlike any other, for seeing infinite value within us and stepping out of eternity and within time to save us. You're so gracious, God. And though we are people who still long, long, crave to be with you, to be experience eternity, I pray that we can be present today because we have an eternal hope, knowing who you are and who holds us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you leave today, I just want to remind you uh, to grab one of the, the roses on the way out for your mom, or if you are a mom, just grab one for yourself. Um, and, uh, 
and just go love, love somebody today. <laughs> just go love somebody today. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we've got prayer partners up front uh, who would love to pray with you. If you want to talk to somebody about what it means to know Jesus, I mean, come find me. I'll be out in the foyer. Um, find one of our pastors or talk to any of our prayer partners up here. They'd love to talk to you about that too. Um, before we go out today, man, I, I hope, I believe that God has shown everybody in here something today. And that's his gift to you. Take that and ask him, God, what do you want me to do in light of what you've shown me? And then step out and follow him because it's always for our good, is it not? All right. So with that, there's nothing I'm forgetting, is there? Okay. All right. Happy Mother's Day. All right. With that, can we just sing that course over everybody one more time as the benediction? Which the, the main one? The first one? Yes. Yes. All right. So one more time. Lift your hands out. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Love you all. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great week. Prayer partners, come on down.
Amen.